Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. My name is Casey Cheshire, and I am your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help you maximize your use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Now, my guest today, hello, hello. This is a, a first for the Hardcore Marketing Show. My guest today has already been a guest. Um, and I'm going to introduce him. He was on a previous show talking about marketing ROI. He has a book on it that is timeless and full of goodies and information. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, but he is the president and founder of the Lenskold Group. Jim Lenskold, welcome back, sir. Hey there, Casey. It's really good to be back. You made uh, the was, cut. Yeah, made I know, it. really. And I, the way I always describe it, I said it was it, uh, the, the, the session we did together was so full of good content. Mm. But I said, but it was the funnest, best show I ever did because, uh, you know, you keep it high energy. You keep it real. Oh, man. So this is either it's either high or low from this. That's know? right. <laughs> That's Hopefully right. we played the king last time so we can play the ace today. Oh, yeah. Leave some room. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think that was like episode three, I think we we're saying. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, back when I was little Casey and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> That's right. Right. Nah, it's just getting uh, better and better too. Really good episodes. Know, it totally is. And yeah. and what's funny is we were talking about beforehand, you know, each month has been a different theme. And for everyone listening, you and I, we had started talking about marketing ROI back in the day. That was the That's right. second month. And as we were talking about ROI and numbers, really the idea of measurement and testing was just naturally, it was all we could do to not talk about it. I know, right? <laughs> you know, um, so this is the month for yeah. the theme around that maturity model for marketing and for marketing automation. That's and right. Or people go and they blast out emails. We want them to do things in certain order so that they're not wasting their cycles. And That's we've it. talked about getting to know our buyer. We've talked about marketing ROI uh, and things like nurture campaigns and social and content. And now we're getting onto the idea, and, and maybe it doesn't have to be uh, a last thing, but we're going to talk about what this is. But the idea of testing, marketing, yes. testing, marketing testing, how to wrap our heads around this. And I would just like to pass you Thor's hammer and see if you'd like to smash some myths again. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's kind of interesting. The way you just set that up uh, put a, brought, brought a thought to mind. So. Yeah. When you think about, um, all right, so we are out there as marketers doing our marketing. Yep. And let's say that we're one of those marketers that at least is tracking whatever we can track, right? There's, of course, there's always more and more and more you can do. Totally. So we're looking at our results and uh, let's say four weeks, six weeks, a couple months in, and we're going, you know, that's not performing the way I expected. Something's wrong. So what do we do? We go and change something. We wait some more weeks. And, uh, hey, did it get better? Did it get worse? Right. What we're trying to establish with the concept of market testing is what if we get learned that much more in those first four to six weeks? So what came to mind as you were setting things up was um, a while back I was writing a paper with a bunch of professors. And one of them, I'm pretty sure it was Dave Reebstein from Wharton, said um, uh, what when you are marketing without testing and measurement, you're basically doing a one cell test, meaning it will work or not work. And you know what's interesting too, even if it's working, you don't know if it could have been working better. It's just, right. you have one element. So what we're trying to establish today is that idea of um, 
comparison. So what if you put a little bit more effort in, you focus and you had some learning, but as time goes on, your ability to get better and better happens faster. And um, what we're going to get into is, you know, how much can we learn and what can we get at that? So that's right. kind of, I think that's what we want to go into this session thinking, right? You know, in my head, the idea of just sometimes we just think of, testing as that cutesy little subject line in the email right. and in me into your, but to your point, this is really interesting without testing, you're actually testing, <laughs> right? but you're not in control of it. You're, like, <laughs> you're testing one thing and you're not even sure. And then in fact, actually think about it that way at the end of those four to six weeks, when something's not working, you have no idea why. So it could be, there's all these pieces of the marketing plan and the strategy and the tactics. So, I think when, when, if we're going to bust a myth, it's the one you just set up there is, I think most people believe that when we do market testing, which uh, let's say, you know, people are doing some form of it, that what we're trying to do is find an element of the marketing uh, that's tactical, that's something that, you know, well, we couldn't decide on a subject line or a landing page. So we did two of them and we tested it, which is actually excellent. I'm not going to complain about that. Sure. The myth we want to bust though is, the methodology of market testing has way more power and it's so underutilized today. So what I want people to walk away, to me, it is the most strategic measurement we have. So it's that ability to test big test and find big wins. Okay. So, mm -hmm. um, so what, why wouldn't we make this our top priority if we could get big wins? So, right. you know, it, it um, so the beauty of a market test is we have a comparison of something where we believe could work, yeah. right? And, and we're comparing that against maybe business as usual. Uh, the other, and that could be, we are testing a touch point that didn't exist. So now we have a measure. It could be something sure. within the campaign so that, but um, you know, uh, again, a, maybe a major difference in the campaign and not a minor one. Um, right. I'll, I'll put it out this way. There was a, a situation a couple years back where I was working with a really big company and their biggest question is, was on the brand positioning statement. That basically the, 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 the sentence or two that defines every marketing below for this whole organization. Wow. And what happened was it was an interesting one in that they were trying to say, you know, if you spend more upfront, it will cost you less in the long run. So it's yeah. that idea of total cost of ownership, right? Yeah. I believe that. It makes but, sense. But it's a tough message when you're trying to convey cost savings and you're trying to convince someone to pick up the most expensive item. That's mm. a tough one. So it really becomes a two-part message. And so, right. so the way we mapped out this test design was um, to test different concepts, but it was the two parts. So what we were basically trying to emulate was there's a headline and what we used there was banner ads. So in okay. a sense... Do people, are people interested in this main headline? And then they click through and then you had the backup. And so then you can have different landing pages. So which combination got people to kind of continue on past the, in a sense, we were saying, did they read the headline, the banner ad? Right. Did they like it enough and get interested? When they saw the landing page, did they continue on? And, and basically by setting up that structure, it was not about the digital media campaign. It was about how people can interpret and, and get through that message. And so that's kind of went through. There was, you know, the, the company did get a lot of learning out of it and, and made some progress. Um, but it's this idea of what the potential. So, I, you know, 
Right. Myth number one, make this strategic or di dispel the myth is dispel make this strategic it, yeah. and go for big wins. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's almost like we're hanging out in small land, right? We're just making right. small tests it, it, and then maybe they're not even testing anything. They're just two different things that, right. And, and that's, I, you know, probably that's what happened. People, they're not being deliberate. They're not thinking big, yeah. thinking small little tests because it's within the realm of not really challenging yourself to think yeah. that much. And then when you get a result that is just about the same statistically, which we'll have to talk about as That's well, right, right. Um, but they get a result that really isn't much different. And if they know anything, they're going to realize I didn't learn anything here. It's based, you know, and so yeah. and you, they, get, they get discouraged, but we're saying like, go big, like go big right. or go home kind of thing on testing. Right. You, uh, put it this way. When you're done with the test, you're going to have a winner, whether it's a, a fraction or a, a big amount. The thing is, how much will that make a difference to the business? True. And, right. But I, right. Well, the one thing we do want to reinforce is keep doing that testing. That is a good, it, it's kind of low effort. And it, it, sometimes you find some big wins there. So you always want those kind of testing. Sure. What we don't want to do is feel that that is a, um, that's, those are stepping stones and we're trying to get people to, to think of all the other things they can be tested. So, right. yeah. So when you think big, what is the thing I should be thinking? Like marketing, what is market testing really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's even, let's even set up and kind of uh, map it out in, in kind of a plain language way, right? Sure. But still to, to what it means. So it is, um, it falls under an experimental design. So in other words, you need to say, um, uh, we have two different, executions or two different situations we're putting out there in the market one um and there's only one difference between the two of these right so and and and, and let's run down some of these the more common scenarios so if i want to know what the impact of of one additional touch point in an integrated campaign i can basically um try that campaign with and without right so so sure. i have all these touch points in fact almost Almost any time I want to touch a tactic, I'm not going to, I don't want to turn off all marketing. That's not my test. My test is, I would call it business as usual, right? So um, if we want, um, if we want to test the, the lift of a, an invite to a white paper or okay. an invite to a webinar, because that might be an invitation type thing, the most controlled environment that you could have is where we put, um, we put, uh, where we're going direct. So yeah. some people get the invitation and some people don't. And we, we, we take that pool, that population and we say, well, these people are all the same. So if we randomly go to half or we randomly go to a sample, depending on how much we want to put out there, then I, I have two groups to compare to and okay. I'll see, see the results. And so, and let me just run through a few scenarios and I'll come back to kind of what we're looking for. Yeah. But the same thing could be um, if I want to, uh, if I want to test, um, there's a group I'm working with now where it's a little bit more sophisticated and they want to test kind of a predictive technology. So you take, you take these two pools uh, that are, uh, or you take your pool of people that you could go to, you pull off a group and say, you know what, instead of going to all of them, we're going to use this predictive technology. And we're only going to go to a portion. Right. And our belief is that um, by targeting and what we'll do is we'll put different offers out to different people, right? So we take that group and we treat them differently and it's strategic. It's this idea of um, can we justify the cost of these predictive models? So the, the other group will get, you know, a different promotion and you, you'll, you'll be engaging them and you'll be selling to them and they'll get kind of campaigns, 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 right? And, and that group, 
you know, they'll get multiple offers. Yeah. This other group, some people will get some campaigns and some will get different campaigns and some will get no campaigns. And even those people get that, that get no campaigns, they're going to end up buying stuff and doing all that because they're, again, it's not an isolated world. They have a need, they have a relationship with the company. So at the end, you take the collective results of that one group versus the other. At the end of the day, what was the difference between the two? Now, right, right. from the ROI standpoint, we're clearly most interested in, did we sell more to one group or the other? Totally. But this is where the market testing methodology has an advantage over every other type of, me of, of measurement methodology. And that is, I have two groups that were treated differently, whether it was a one touch point or whether it was three months of different marketing or even longer. Totally. And I could actually look at the full funnel. This is why I say it's the most strategic measurement we have. So let's say that, um, that uh, you know, I, uh, I, I sold more, but I also worked my way back and I say, you know, ah, what happened was they, um, I had more engagement in these types of activities. And so right. in other words, I'm, I'm looking at the buyer behavior. I could, if I had the, the resources, I could go out and do branding comparisons. Right. Which is especially important if we're doing something different on messaging. Right. Mm -hmm. So if messaging is changing. So now I learn everything about the journey of what changed, what didn't. And then let's even say I, I do, I look at my purchases. I could also look post purchase to see, yep. did they buy at a higher level? Did they, there's, was there more retention afterwards? Yeah. Um, when, when we do measurements and market testing on content, you know, sometimes that content, someone walks in and they buy and they're way more educated. So even if, right. even if total sales were the same, they come in and uh, again, the things I would look for there is, um, did they buy more? Did they buy at a higher level because they were more educated on the product? And did they get more benefit of after the fact? You know, the right. fact that they were educated, they knew how to use, let's say if it was technology, they go in using it more, they're sticky. They, you know, where this other group bought because they were getting the sales pitch. They didn't get the content. Right. They, they bought. Push. Yeah, yeah, but they they closed the deal. But then maybe that that group's different. So yeah, it could and it could churn maybe sooner. Yes, exactly. You know, looking at that full picture might make. Yeah. Sense. So two groups treated differently. Okay. And whatever treatment we put onto one group, that's what we measure. So in one in this one case. I might be looking at all these different, you know, this predictive methodology and the, and the, the, the touch points. And I just look at that collectively and say, this was a better strategy. So um, is, is that yeah. the, is that the, if you were to boil it down into its bare essence, make some bone broth, if you will. Yeah. Would, yeah. Would it be two groups treated differently? It, it's your, it's like a measurement methodology. Yes. Yes. Picking up? You, okay. Right. Your control group um, is basically getting the, the types of activities that you would do anyway. Right. Anyway. And the test groups got to get, and, and actually the same methodology, why it's called experimental design happens in the medical world, right? That idea, everyone's heard that idea that, um, that someone gets a placebo pill. Right. Well, because if you didn't, then, um, if you took, you know, when they did this in the past, uh, the, the scientists, they would say, well, some people are getting treated and some people are not getting treated. Well, right. the act of taking a pill actually you know, that, that's why there's a placebo. People think they're getting medicated if their mindset changes and if their, their uh, actual physical, physical conditions change, then the placebo actually has a little bit of effect, but the medicine in the pill has, is what they're trying to measure, not the act of taking it. So right. they control the experiment. 
Uh, I think another way people might think about it from just their own personal use is, um, you know, if you're experimenting with a recipe, you know, cooking, I always say is a lot like marketing because you put so many things into the mix, but you don't know what makes it great. Yeah. So how would you, you know, is it, you know, is it the, 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 the flour or is it the, the spices or is it what, it, what went into there? How long right. you cooked it? What temperature you cooked it? So how else would you compare it? Well, then, you know, you would try it and then you would try it again with one thing changed. If you changed five things, at the end of that, you still wouldn't know what made it better. So, right. so this idea of this comparison and, uh, you know, being clear on what's the difference between those two groups, because that's what you're measuring. You know, it's interesting you bring the, the placebo effect in because it, it, it's so interesting. It's proven. Yeah. It happens, and maybe not so much in marketing. Maybe, right, right. Maybe. Um, here's a pill. It's going to make you better at marketing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> all, know. It is, all it is is a Skittle, right? That's right, right. Yeah. I'm a super marketer now. Um, but I've also heard that the yeah. placebo effect, it also, it still works even if you know it's a placebo. Uh, that's interesting too. I know yeah. there's something there. They go, that, that's, here's a placebo. That's, right. Now they're, of course they're doing that. They're doing, yeah. talking about here, they're doing this experimental design and they're, they're telling one group they have a placebo. They're not yeah. telling the other group they have a placebo and they're, oh, yeah. and they're finding the people, even though they know it's that's not right. real, they're like, but ah, it's not real, but I just feel better. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's wild. That's wild. Now, let's do one other thing, which again yeah. is it, something that's similar to market testing, but uh, just to point out the difference. So let's say, and, and sometimes this is what we have to live with as marketers, right? Because okay. a control group means you have to be able to withhold something. So in a direct marketing world, you could split your sample and you could control who sees it. In a mass media world, a lot of people have to use either geographic markets or at least in the digital space, you could you there's tracking in place. So if someone was presented with an online ad, you know who they are different than people who were not. Totally. Right? So yep. so you could control this, but this idea of um, so some people what they try to do and and it's still good, but it's not the same thing. Is if I try some marketing today, and then uh, next month I try different marketing, and then the next month I try different marketing. We don't really have the control. What we're comparing it to is the last time around. But what happens right. is too many conditions change. So you're trying to run things at the same time as the ideal. And so right. what happens is, because the theory is everything that the competition would do is happening to both groups. If yeah. there's a, an economic thing or even, believe it or not, weather conditions can skew a test results because people just change their mindset. or they, right. you know, It's nice out. They're not buying. They're outside. Um, it's raining. They don't go to retail outlets. You know, there's things right. that happen that you want to be conscious of. So, um, so this idea of if, if it's not the same time, you run the risk that you're not comparing the exact same thing, that the conditions of this month is not the same as conditions of next month. True. So, so we have to be conscious of that the same thing could happen if you're, you know, if you're running ads and uh, are doing certain events in San Francisco, but not in New York, you know, there's a risk that they're not the same. So generally, if you do some geographic measures, I would select multiple cities. Uh, and so that you take away that idea that something happened in one area, not in the other. And the other thing is I would use whatever data I had to say, look, did they all have the same run rate? Did they kind of, the sales or whatever we're trying to measure as outcomes, did mm -hmm. they tend to spike and dip consistently? So if I see that, and I know that these three markets versus these three markets, tend to trend the same, then I've got my testing control. 
You know, I can't, I can't have it. I can't have my results be some random occurrence. That's what we're trying to get. Interesting. You know, it sounds like with the timing, it, it can be a hazard to, I guess, to do them individually over time. Because to your point, something, the whole economy could have changed. You don't really know. So it's like, do it, do it here at this one time, like a snapshot, but it sounds like it's a little different with the geographies. I was thinking, okay, that's also a hazard. Yeah. Just stick to LA County. But then (sighs) you brought up a good point, which is, well, they may be crazy there. Yeah. And also something may happen there. And so have multiple geos so that you can kind of spread load any kind of effect that might have. Right. Right. And look, depending on the size of your business, not every market test is going to have ideal conditions. And so our goal, well, we have a couple different ways to look at this, but our goal is if I measure this, can I replicate it? And that's especially important if, you know, um, here's a good market test that uh, again, I think about over the years, the ones that were kind of interesting, but um, there was a a point after, you know, in that great recession, when everyone's budget got cut in half or whatever, there was some groups that said, you know, not only they cut the, the, the marketing back so much that I'm really not having any impact. And they also were trying to make the case that this may be the time to invest in the marketing because there's a lag in the sales process. Right. Why don't we engage people in the content and the, the beginning part of the journey and assume that budgets might be back next year. So, um, so some of this, so the, the, in those situations, what someone, what some of the people I was working with, as we talked it through their plan with the market test was, I will take a, a portion of my budget and I will take a geographic area, mm-hmm. uh, a couple markets in Texas, and I will spend at double the rate of everywhere else. Hmm. And if I could show that not only are results better, that they're more than double, I've made the case for more budget. Okay. But I've taken the risk away from the executives. The executives don't want, if they're, you know, because they're going to be saying, hey, less revenue is coming in. Why is my marketing budget so high? What we've done is to say, look, there's an opportunity here. And so, so look, it, it, my point was go, where I was going to is yeah. not, you don't always have that perfect scenario. So, um, so what we're trying to say is, can we replicate this? And another thing that you look for is, can I scale it? Because, well, sometimes the market test, especially if it's strategic or if we're trying to introduce a new concept and it'd be very risky to move all of our marketing dollars into a bucket that is the big unknown. Yeah. But if we could kind of test on a small scale, then we, uh, we prove it out and we say, look, there's, there's always a margin of error to consider. So when we go to scale this, you know, to, uh, more of our markets, to national, to global, whatever we're going to do, um, we need to be still tracking and measuring because it's possible when it scales, it doesn't work. So we're trying to eliminate the margin of error, but consider this, if we weren't market testing, the margin of error is way bigger because we're going into the unknown. Right. Totally. So we're trying to be smarter and uh, take away, take away some risk by doing things that, you know, maybe don't even cost a lot and, uh, and give us some feedback. Well, to your point, you know, we're market testing whether we're doing it or not. That's right. Right. We just have no idea if it's actually working relative to what could be working. And we also have no idea if one path is better than the other, but we're, we're on a path and we're, that's right. And now we have no control 
and no understanding if we can replicate it, if we can scale it. Right. Um, in terms of limiting the margin of error, it's just, we're just hanging out with it. We're drinking pina coladas. <laughs> yeah. We have no control. So might as well sort of take back some, right. you know, some modicum of control here and, and, and plan some active tests. Right. Right. And there is, um, I think there's a lot to be said about that in that um, when things are not working as planned, marketers have a tough time defending, right? And we hate being that defending mode. Right. We could show that, hey, we did it this way, this way. And, and look, the other good point to keep in mind with market testing is once you hold the control group, you can not only do a variation of it, you can do three variations or four variations at the mm. same time, as long as it fits your business model, right? I mean, you know, they're, um, but in a sense, why not that you're, you're holding business as usual and, uh, you know, maybe there's not one thing you're trying to prove out. Maybe you're trying to answer, maybe it's instead of, I have this concept, let me test it. Maybe it's, I have this problem area. I've got oh. high churn. I've got, uh, I can't get people to, uh, from engagement to conversion. You pick the, the problem area and then you say, here's some different ways to get to that. And we put it out there and all of a sudden we, we see the needle move. So you have this problem yeah. and we're going to fix it. And so, well, here's four things we could right. do attack right. this problem. Now, I guess rather than just doing them all, you're going to selectively do them to see if you, some of you, them are working and some aren't. Or no, you might, you might do them all at the same time. It, it, but again, it depends if, if you have a large market with a large base of customers yeah. and you're marketing actively, then out of, you know, if you took 20% of that population and varied yeah. marketing, and look, you might, um, you know, some of these ideas might like based on click-throughs or something earlier, they might clearly show signs that they're not working. So you can retire them and keep the, the winners or the top ones going to see, sure. hey, is this really working? But there's, um, so for your viewers, we're going to give them uh, some good, uh, a good party term. So yes. Uh, yes, when they're out term. there and, you know, you're talking about, oh, I market test. Uh, yeah, we were looking at uh, fractional factorial design. Ah. <laughs> fractional factorial design not sure i have a tough time remembering your phone number but uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's more about uh maybe you're you're talking to someone about uh job potential so ah, that yeah. One, yeah yeah bring it up but in anyway, a job interview that's much yeah, better I, yeah. I, I gotta wonder what kind of parties you're going to yeah i know right <laughs> <laughs> but it is one of those things and actually i'll tell you honestly over the over the years i've had very few times to use it but the idea there is ways where um if you are breaking into a new market or you're really going in with a lot of unknowns, there's a way to set up a test design. And if you kind of picture in your head a, a grid yeah. where let's say you're not sure of your price points, you're not sure which channels to use, you're not sure of kind of key messages because you're it's it's just that new. Yeah. There's a way to set up the experiment where you kind of instead of testing every possible combination you test a few combinations and these smart guys with, um, with PhDs that we all love to have as friends can go and say, Oh, well, I can calculate that based on the difference between these groups and these groups that even though there's a group we didn't test your best solution really? is this price point, this channel mix and this message. How many, so, how many of that grid do you have to do to get to that? Oh, there's, um, you could do it kind of a, a three by three, which is nine scenarios, but you yep. could, I, I've, I've seen, I uh, have not done it myself, but I've seen it where you've got, you know, maybe eight by eight or, or you've got all these combinations. Um, and again, it's, it's usually when there's a lot of money at stake and yep. you want to learn really quickly, uh, you know, and, and there's, so it's, it's a big business thing. 
Oh, totally. But let's say you've got a grid that let's start even yeah. three by three, three by yeah. three grid, nine total. How yeah. about how many? And I won't hold you. So you could, uh, and, and uh, again, there's scientists that know this better totally. than me, but maybe out of that nine by nine, instead of t testing all nine, you could get away with four or five variations and it fills in the blank because it basically says, well, this is better than this going across the grid one way. And this is better than this going across the grid the other way. So the combination is likely, and, and, you That's still like Sudoku. <laughs> it is. You got to fill in that last box. Sudoku testing right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you've got a branding thing going on there. Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay, nobody go out and scoop that domain. That's up. right. Right. <laughs> but look, I think if we if we if we go from the interesting but not likely to use back to the reality, you know, there are you could set up these three by three grids, or or even look. The, the, I think the key point is if you hold a control group. You know how how can you manage to squeeze in three tests? And so, look, when you have high volumes of of contacts for your marketing, it makes it very easy because statistically, you get enough response that you can compare, right? And, and right. this is a good point. We we said we kind of touch into the statistics. This might be a good point to get into it. But look, if I have a small business or if I have a huge business, but I have a I sell you know billion dollar deals. That I only get ten in a year. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, so if I if I if I put all this marketing in and I close two out of ten deals, um, and I measure and I you know uh, I just don't have this opportunity to split my market and and say, well, now I got I can't get one deal and one deal or one deal and two deal and feels conclusive, right? Because right. Uh, I'm converting if I'm converting two out of ten is twenty percent. You know, next time I do this, it's probably going to be three out of 10 or one. Like, I don't, but picture that, you know, if I'm a hundred out of a thousand or whatever it's going to be, right. now I kind of can say, well, chances are I'll fall in this 10% range or whatever it's going to be. And right. if I bump from 10% to 12%, I kind of feel comfortable with it. Right. Right. And there are, um, there's some nice tools online. If you ever need to see sample size, you just look at, you know, sample size for market tests and there's the tools and you plug in a few different things. Um, okay. You remember the terms confidence level, confidence interval. So if you're, if you're testing something and you are going to spend millions, you're probably going to want something like a 95% confidence level, right? And that's the idea that, Hey, there's a margin of error here and I, I, I um, I'm willing to go with it, but, you know, if you're um, a medium-sized business and you measure something and you say, well, this worked better than that one, and it's an 80% confidence level, well, why wouldn't you keep doing the better one? Because, yeah. and, and what I do is um, if I measure that and I feel that the, the test gave me a good enough feedback to, to move forward with it, yeah. Um, I would then test in increments, right? So I wouldn't move 100% of my budget over, but I'd in a sense, you're looking at validate. Okay, right. the test said I should do this. Let me put this out there to a larger group or do something. Oh. I'm tracking, I'm on track, I'm good, I keep going, right? Because you're trying to get that that 20%, you know, I mean, 80% means four to five times you're right, but you don't want to you don't want to be the one out of five where right. you didn't work. Right, so, so use that's, the tools yeah. to get at those yeah, numbers. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, what can happen? You can get numbers that, you think tell you something. Yeah. Maybe they don't actually say anything. And right. I mean, right. how bad can that get? Can you can you make the wrong decision, or you just well, you make a decision and it's not really an answer? To me, it's um, it's always a better informed decision because there's a lot of people who use 
metrics that are you know directional already like politics and then, <laughs> yeah right actually they're they actually are pretty good on the statistics and they show you when they say you know 45 percent support this cause or this candidate they tell you plus or minus three oh, so percent that's, that's a good point right so yeah. they tell you you know if it's 51 to 49 and it's plus or minus three percent well next time it might flip but you tend right. to say yeah, but chances are better that the 51 is going to do better than the 49. It's not conclusive, but 95 out of 100 times, that's going to be correct. You know? Well, I and guess that's so, the slippery slope, right? If it's yeah, like 51%, yeah. 49%, yeah. and your margin of error is like five, right. then right. it could yeah. actually be the opposite, and you have no right. idea. Right. But again, if you were the can, if you had to, you know, if you were investing, and uh, let's say it wasn't candidates, because so we don't get into the politics yeah, of right. investing candidates and buying your candidate, whole different, no, whole different podcast, not even, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, if it was, um, you know, if it was that close that this this marketing investment, you know, was more yeah. likely to be, you know, fifty one percent chance, you know, you're still at a fifty fifty. So it's, um, you know, what? But if you think about, um, hey, I'm likely to convert. 2% of my uh, my audience to sales here versus 3%, you know, or even 2.2%, you know, it, it, the question is, let's say that my test on a small scale showed that I can move from 2% to 2.2, am I going to move my full 100% of my budget over to that? I might wait a little bit longer and validate. It's going to hold off. In other words, let my sample size grow, uh, depending right. on where I'm at. So because we're talking all these statistics, here's a good rule of thumb that uh, someone, you know, one of my scientist buddies uh, gave me, and, that, and I think it's good, is uh, if you have a test and control and each will generate 100 responses or more, yeah. right, the outcome, not the reach, um, you're probably in, in, in a good shape statistically. It's not, believe me, there's, there's situations where it's not, but, uh, but if, when you're comparing your results and you see your lift, uh, there's still a, a decent margin of error, but at least, you know, if you're comparing 10 responses versus 12 responses, they're saying, don't trust it. But you're saying 100 100 versus, total yeah. responses, not the universe, but the people writing. Right, down. right. And yeah. look, it, it, and that's if you're just, if you're happy to live with good directional results and say that I've got to keep improving right. and for more important outcomes and budget decisions, I will look to validate. I'll move slowly. I'll make sure this is working. but if I've, if I have a hundred responses for my test and a hundred responses for my control, and it's showing that hey, more of these convert to sales or other things, well, I, I should feel good about it. Right. And again, when it's really important, go online, get the statistical test, or have someone look at it closely. Totally. I've but, used those uh, before too. You go online, yeah. you plug in your numbers, and it tells yeah. you, hey, here's what you got, and it's right. either this is something you should keep doing or you probably don't have enough or it's inconclusive. Right. So, so to do the math, let's say I got a list of a thousand. Yeah. And if you're some baller company out there and you've got millions, just add a couple zeros, you know, just roll. Yeah, it. yeah right. But my math, my math ability. Yeah. So if you got like a thousand yeah. on that initial list, you know what about 10% are going to respond, gives yeah. you about a hundred responses. Yes. More. Then right. you're saying that that's a good foothold to say, all right, let's give this thing a whirl. Let's see what you right, got. Right, right. And let's say in that example, you know, your numbers may be big on the engagement. So your your margin of error and your confidence can be real high in that. And then when you go from engagement to sales, now you might be to smaller numbers. True. You'd like to see it flow through, but I would say unless there was a reason that I would believe that 
you know, if I had a whole new strategy that would, that could generate high engagement and low sales, you know, in other words, I just said, um, Hey, come look at uh, click through and you'll see funny pictures on kittens. I might get a real high engagement, but no one cares about my product. Right. So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing something that I think yeah. it's risky, but if I just changed my messaging and I think, well, more people got engaged because of that message. And I believe I have reason to believe that they would buy at the same or a higher rate. Well, I would take that as if the engagement is a high confidence and it's good, we're going with it. Right. And again, I always compare that you don't want to be, you don't want to run a test and have great statistics that are just flat out wrong. You have to get, do a good experiment. But we were making decisions without a test before this. We didn't know. We were taking right. indicators. These are better indicators. Right. So you know, it's interesting. You uh, great takeaway for me. The idea of there being lessons along the way. Oh yeah. You know, and it's not just did they click on that email or did they complete that landing page, but all the way through the end. That's right. Did they buy? So, I mean, but doing the reverse math, you'd want to say, if we, if we want to get results along the entire path about how many people do we need to put in the front end? So that yeah, we exactly. You work it back up. You know, maybe right. we get 500 engaging and then at least a hundred buying or not buying. Right. That's right. That way we can have you know, the statistical number, some confidence at each step in the process and get, That's right. get a learning lesson at each, at each point. That's really cool. Right. Right. So if we talk about, um, maybe we could talk kind of pros and cons of market testing, right? Because if you, if you compare market, those other me There's measurements. There's a con? What's the yeah, con? Yeah, no, there is. There's That's definitely a con. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it's good to be aware of it. And, and maybe sure. there, there's some limitations even to it. But, but if, let's go back in our first webinar for uh, people that didn't see that. They go back and check it out. But we talked about the different categories of measurements. And so yeah. you have statistical modeling, right? very advanced, but costly and um, – and, uh, you know, it kind of says that this, this touch point or whatever we're measuring resulted in this outcome, but it doesn't give you any strategy. It doesn't tell you about the buyer behavior. So that's right. very advanced, but very focused on the outcome, the final outcome. And for that, you typically know it in advance, right? You have a hypothesis. You decide, right. So let's yeah. say in most cases, we're going to do modeling. We're going to go on sales. So what, yeah. and we look at our marketing mix, right? So that's the, probably the most common but it doesn't tell you what's wrong. In, in, when we get to strategic market testing, we now have the benefit of statistics because we could, we could know what our margin of error is and all that. And we set up a good experiment, good control group. So it's, it's, it's a valid, very valid approach that the only thing different between this group and this group is my marketing treatment. Well, then I know it's work, you know, what's working, okay. but I get that diagnostic. I get that ability to look at the funnel and see what, why this was higher or lower, what worked, what didn't, so that's my strategic test. And then if you compare that, my only other two methodologies were either kind of a, a trending, a pre-post trend to say, well, and that works if you could generate a big spike because you introduce something and people got engaged or bought right. at a higher level. That's good, but not very statistical. And then the other one is results tracking where we, we have that challenge we talked about with attribution, right? So, yeah. so we've got market testing. We just want to say, look, it sits on the higher end of statistics and you know, a strong point. So let's use it smart. And, um, but it has these other benefits of, of the funnel thing, but the, what are the drawbacks then? Yeah. So the limitations, the big ones, Limit one is we were, yeah, the one we just talked about is, um, it's, um, is sample size. If you're a small business or small volume, it works against you. Look, you can get some learning, but when that margin of error gets high, but the other one is, um, if you think about your marketing throughout the year, how, um, 
how often can you hold out control groups and not market to them, right? So now if you're introduced something new, yeah. so we got to put that out there, right? So if you're introducing something new into the mix, then it's no harm because business as usual is happening anyway. You're trying to prove something new. But if you're trying to measure something in the mix and you have to kind of suppress it or you have this great idea, great new product, and you have to hold it back, you don't want to do it too often and you can't really do it too often, right? It, so what I say is I kind of take this approach of I look at it maybe on a quarterly basis and say, okay, right. I've got this, I, uh, maybe I can put an experiment out there each quarter, but that drives me back to go for the big wins. I don't want to do a subject line test if I can do something that's a little bit more strategic. You know, do I need another touch point? Do I, maybe I spend more, maybe I up the offer. Maybe I do this uh, kind of advanced modeling to see if I could my targeting get refined, right? So, or, uh, so, so we go for that. So, um, and that is, is also one of the reasons I was saying one control group, multiple test groups, because how many times can I do that control group? So, uh, and even cool. one control, multiple. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the frequency you can't use it often. But in a sense, you know, um, uh, I think you might have seen some statistics more recently, but when I was doing some measurements out there and some uh, research, I found that about 15% of, of marketers were using market testing on a regular basis. And again, most of them were more tactical. So yeah. it is very underutilized. And the reason I stress it as, uh, as kind of the number one priority besides, uh, so we said strategic, but the other thing is we're not talking about a very high cost. So you may have to do some additional executions of your marketing. It may take you some effort to kind of find these markets or kind of, you know, a little bit of analysis, make sure we have a good test control. But, um, but at the, at the same time, it's not, it's not like focus groups or it's not like research where we're asking people their opinions. We are putting it in the marketplace. Yeah. We are actually selling and using it. Um, you know, there, if, if we kept 70% of our budget in business as usual, and let's say, you know, 15 to 20% of, um, of our budget in experimenting, we're always selling out there. And if one of these hits and wins, we're eventually going to make that other 70% grow and be more profitable. And, and I think, uh, I think we talked about this in our first session too, is, you know, the five to 10% of that budget could be really wild card test, like really sure. Try yeah. a whole different strategy. Try, uh, try um, uh, you know, really something out of the ordinary yeah. when you can. That might be once a year or something. But, uh, but for the most part, just let's just vary the marketing here and there. Um, you know, it's okay if some of it is a small variation, uh, but, but we're aiming for a, a, a nice lift in the engagement that will flow through to sales. Totally. Yeah, what I love about this is the idea that it's, the first part you mentioned, um, it's, it takes some time, takes some of your time, Yeah, yeah. but it's not, it's not a cost. It's not a huge cost. It's more of a no. time cost. So if you don't have as much money, this is a great thing you can be using or not, you know, not a much money, whether it's not budgeted or you just don't have right, it. So right. it's something approachable for everyone. And the cool thing is it's not a focus group. Like you're saying it's active. You're actively selling. It's real behaviors too, yeah. right? So in other words, it's not, would you be more interested in this or this? It's, hey, I saw this ad or this ad and I clicked through or I got to this, I read this content, I read that content. I actually acted afterwards, right? So it's, um, 
uh, it's people, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a real situation. And, um, you know, even if your experiment is maybe 10% below what it would have been, right. as long as it's not the bulk of your budget. And again, you really only have to win, you know, maybe one out of five times and that win will pay back everything you might've lost on the other experiments, right? Because right. you've moved perform, you're moving performance up a level. Huh? Uh, so, you know, I, I was thinking as you're talking about one control group, multiple test groups, yeah. Makes sense. You can't do this all the time. It's like sequestering a jury, right? Yeah, right, right. right. Like, don't let them hear anything because it'll it'll swing them and bias it'll, them. And it'll stuff. mess yeah. it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, with that, with the idea of planning, you get lessons along the way if you plan ahead to have enough numbers at each step in the journey, and then right. also knowing that you have the frequency issues, you can't sequester everyone all the time. Right. And I keep pointing to planning. So. Yeah. How do you plan? Do you have any sort of strategies of how you well, plan these in advance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's good. In fact, if you were, if I think one of the things we wanted to touch on is how do you get started? Where do you yeah. go with this? And what's interesting is I would, I would put obviously planning always starts at the beginning, but but take it from the perspective of measurement planning. And instead of saying, here's my tactic, here's my campaign, how do I measure it? I would say at least once a year, similar to what you do in market testing, right? When you go out and plan the campaigns, how, who do we reach all that stuff? Start with the question of what's the most important information I could find out? Uh, what could I learn? In other words, in terms of I'm trying to, it, it, my scope is marketing effective, right? We have all these touch points. We have all these things that happen. And I would start with what do I need to know? Um, the other area in the planning I would ask is where are my problem areas? because performance areas, so we talked about that along this part where we said, um, uh, we start with the problem and work our way back to the tactic and the touch point in the campaign. Right. So if I have a conversion problem in, in some one stage of the funnel, or if I just think it, it, I could do better, sure. then I say uh, I could work my way back to what are the ideas for that. So anytime we're bringing new ideas, that also falls in the plan for marketing test, which one are worth testing. And I, I would then work back to, how much does it cost and, and which ones are the higher priorities? So now in a sense, I have the list of things I want to test. I want to get some good measurements and insight on. Now I have to get into that implementation in that, um, how do I, that, probably the toughest thing out of this whole thing is how do I get a good control group? How do I get it so that I have that point of comparison? And the ideal is where I have a large pool and I could go to a portion of it. Whether it's a split test because of the size or whether it's a, just a small sample of them. Um, and it does take some work, but in fact, out of all the places it could go wrong, it would be the control group. So you have to ask yourself, would I expect these two groups to perform the same if I didn't do the marketing? And, and why you ask that is probably the biggest mistake where people think they're market testing is, um, let's say you're doing some marketing and you, have you know who's buying and who's not and you yep. you tend to some people tend to compare the responders versus the non-responders so these people responded and they read my white paper later on they buy more than people who didn't buy the white paper but it's not a fair experiment right because mm. because everyone was offered the white paper so the people more likely to buy of course were more interested in the white paper whereas sure. if i my test group i should say some people were offered the white paper there was a portion responded and a portion who didn't. And then there's another group that were not offered the white paper. So do you, you see that difference? It's subtle, but right. 
but non-responders include the people who don't care about you, didn't, didn't even read the offer, didn't, didn't, didn't. Hmm. They, were di they, became, they were different. You wouldn't expect them to buy, even if, whether they read your white paper or not, right? So, right. You need that so they're not the same. Yeah. It's a bias that gets built in. And look, there are some times where you don't get that perfect control group. Um, you know, events are hard to measure that way, but sometimes, you know, there are statistical people that can say, look at behaviors before the event and say, all right, well, the, the event was held in San Francisco, so obviously we draw more people from that area. Let's look at people who kind of were invited to this, and then there's a, some people who we think performed similarly, and we did the statistics to try to say it's a simulated control, right? They were, anyone in the whole U.S. or the whole world could go to the event but we found the patterns of behaviors that were similar. And we, we did our best to kind of say that in the absence of the event, we would expect these two to continue the same purchasing behavior. One group had the event, one group did. Interesting. So it's a good reminder to put emphasis on if anything could go wrong, it could be, it would be the control group. Yes. Yes. And really beforehand, figuring out, you know, what's the, best learning I could get from this. What yeah, do I yes. need to know? What do I want to know? What's the top thing I'd love to learn? Right. Problem areas, performance areas, you know, yep. sort of writing that out in advance. Where's my big wins? How could I, what, yeah. if someone said, come in and increase revenue, or again, even if you have to, if you have to work with, you know, increase leads by 10%, 20%, let's even say 20%, you'd have to sit there and go, what would I do different in my marketing? And then, right. you know, how could I, how, what could I, what experiment would help me figure that out? And sometimes you say it's one more touch point. Sometimes you say, you know what, uh, we'd have to spend more on content. And other times it might be, um, you know, we would approach the market all, all different. We would go, mm -hmm. you know, um, we would do something with the sales team or something really big and different. Then you say, can I do this on a small scale? Right. Now, now then kind of continuing on, you uh, you get the good control group and you 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 put it out there. Now you're you know everything I can learn about one group versus the other. Right, that idea of looking across the funnel is is a good practice. Yep. And then let's say we get the results and we make the decision. The last piece in that process is uh, depending on your risk, but you know can I validate it? Can I put this out there now on a larger scale to everyone and get the same results? If if I don't, then I I might come back and say you know, was there a problem with the control group? Could something have been biased or, you know, I mean, look, it's a world that's constantly changing. So if you had not done the market test, your results from this month to next month or the next month could change. Right. When you get the market test and roll it out, sometimes things change. So you, hmm. uh, you know, um, I still think you're, you, you, you can't really lose if you put an effort into this because you're always a bit more knowledgeable than you would have been. Right. <laughs> Right. Even if it doesn't, even if market test, every market test isn't at, you know, hundred percent conclusive, it's still, you're still better off than if you had done no testing and no measurement. And, you know, I suppose you, you might have some preconceived notion or you might have this thought that two different values or one's more important than the other. And if it comes back inconclusive or they're both yeah. kind of net neutral, then that's probably not the main lever that's right. people are looking at. So maybe that told you that, there's a third option or you're not even thinking. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You, maybe you were stuck and you were saying our messaging is off. You change the messaging, nothing changes. Well, you know, maybe it's the channel. Maybe you're reaching that wrong audience. Maybe there's right. something else there and it kind of forces you to step back. 
right. A market test that shows no difference is still learning. Yes. Because you thought there was a difference and it came back and there was no difference. So I really like that. A market test that shows no difference is still learning. Still learning. Still learning. It's still an insight great that way, right? As you're good at drawing those out. That's uh, <laughs> that's going on Twitter. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Good. Good. But it is good. It really. It's it, you. You did. You took the steps. Yeah. And you're taking control, and you're you're taking control over the test you're in right now. Right. Right. People say, "Hey, are we in a are we in a simulation right now?" Not sure, but I do know that you're in a test right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 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 With no control group. You're just you're just rolling. That's right. That's right. That's right. Everything that you, every result you get back, there's some uncertainty as to why that might have happened or what would have happened if you did something different. Really you know, when um, when I was, uh, it was a while where my business was focused heavily on early stage ventures. Sure. And, um, you know, uh, people would get funded and they put all their money into this great, you know, brand positioning, this launch yeah. and everything like that. And some companies made it and some didn't. I mean, talk about experiments. Yeah. You're betting the farm on one thing. So uh, one of the things we would do was um, it was really hedging because you're going into a complete unknown. Right. But it was, uh, I remember with one company, the way we mapped it out was uh, kind of six different strategies in a sense that were going out there simultaneously skewed toward the one that was their base plan. Right. And then very quickly, you know, within three months, two dropped off. You're down to four. One was clearly edging up, so some more money funded into that, and then you kind of let it run until the final two battled it out. They, they, they. What they're, at the end of this, you want a winner that is not just driving engagement, hopefully funnel flow after that. So we didn't want to cut anything off too quickly, right? But we had some early indicators that, look, these are just not resonating. So let's 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 kind of move on. And and how you know who wouldn't want to hedge your bet? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah this, this sounds like a per perfect use for that party, the party trick here, the <laughs> fractional factorial design. Nice. I, would, that, would that work for startups? It seems like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, right. Yeah. There's don't no rush in that. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Especially because think about it where, where, you know, a lot of times the marketing team is out there and you're trying these channels, these touch points, these different marketing mix. Yeah. And maybe the problem is in the product in the in the uh in the pricing in something that you 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 know it's kind of embedded in there and maybe yeah. it would help as an organization especially in a startup to know that that's not your big barrier right you know um and keep it on a small scale so that you have that ability that flexibility kind of uh you know adjust and still roll out and scale that's really cool i i can yeah. see that being a huge topic for startups you only have so much money of someone else's money how can right. you test five of the nine things and really get a yes. picture yeah yeah uh, right anytime you're breaking into markets yeah exactly right but if you want if you need let's put it this way if you need accelerated learning you move to market test multiple market tests fractional factorial design because get all the answers up front and move in and that you know that uh, when there's a lot at stake that's what you'd rather do you know it's that it's that fail fast concept you know that's a lot of executives embrace yep. it's i want you to learn but i want you to know quickly what's not working yeah. well if you're doing one at a time in line how long is that going to take before you try everything you possibly can and say well uh sooner or later we're going to hit something that works yeah you might run out of money on the on the, on the way in. yeah exactly yeah. 
exactly. Jeez. So, so, so some good lessons and, and just good business practices. And even, even small businesses, I think may have some room. Again, you're, you're, you're mostly limited if your population, you know, if you're in one small city and have one, you know, a couple of hundred potential clients, it's kind of hard to split that, but you still might be able to do stuff with your digital media or something that, that uh, again, instead of say, changing a subject line, look for just bigger differences. You know, does it help to lead with, price or features and this feature or this feature and just get those right. you get some early indicators at least right it's, you, you follow the principles even if you're not pushing heavy on the statistics right that makes sense yeah huh. well this is cool man yeah I, now now have you have you been just busy running around the country helping people out with these things or oh, always, how, always. It's, it sounds like it'd be in high demand yeah it never ends and i don't know uh, there was um for some reason on the CMO uh, surveys they do annually, right? These different companies yeah. do. Uh, one of the ones that came out, I don't remember who authored it, um, actually put out that, um, you know, marketing ROI, marketing effectiveness is moving back up to the top of the list. Now, the interesting thing is, as long as I've been around and doing marketing ROI, so let's say 15, 20 years out of the business has been in business 21 years, it's always been in the top three to five, right? What executive, what senior person doesn't want to know ROI? 100%. For some reason, it's moving back up. It could be, um, I don't know, it could be the, the, you know, maybe some economic factors, maybe um, just always that pressure on budget. But what's, and, and um, you know, a bunch of us in this business kind of bounced that around. And I said, I was sitting there going, but the marketing, adop marketing ROI adoption always is, it's never, fully mainstream and partly because it takes a lot of piece parts, but it, I think mostly because it's a cultural change. So I would say companies always improve and once they improve, they stick with it. But is um, what I find is there's always that champion in there that goes, ah, you know what? This is competitive advantage. Right. This is, we know how to spend smarter. We all have this, you know, as a group, we're sitting here in marketing and we're, we might be doing everything right, but all of us have a hunch that the results can go up. That we can get smarter, we get better. Yeah. They're the ones that kind of come in. We come in, bang out a process, bang out a measurement, and, and try to find something that sticks and lasts. So organizationally, there's a there's just a whole different chain, right? Huh. That's yeah. cool, man. That is so, really cool. Hey, yeah. you know, get, how about some shout-outs? What are some places people can go to connect to you? Oh yeah, you know, just put a you know the, your book by the way is awesome. I've been beating it up uh, <laughs> steady. They, for the people that love analysis and numbers, yeah, yeah, um, or if you just have no clue because you're just super creative, like it, this is it's all it's called marketing ROI. It's like named the thing. Yeah, and yeah. Your point, you know, a lot of people aren't doing it. Most people we right. encounter aren't, but they all know that they want it, and right. it probably is those those purse strings or economic factors. Just saying, look, I, I got to know where this money is going. Yeah, and the technology is there. You can. I know, you can know we have so much more data than we had when I started, yeah. with, even when I wrote the book. So, so yeah. So I would say the book is a good resource for getting sure. that financial, you know, the, getting the financials accurate and knowing how to use this data that comes from different measurements. The nice thing is the it's 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 there's a lot of math to it, so it doesn't change. The book hasn't really aged too much. But um, on my website, which is lenskold.com, L-E-N-S-K-O-L-D, lenskold.com. The resources section is where I like to add the new content. And that's where mm. more into these measurement techniques. There's a couple articles there on market testing. Uh, there's some on good uh, metrics, uh, lead generation stuff, even the old research reports we did. 
there's those a lot of the insights are still really re relevant today. So, uh, you know, that's always been my thing. I like putting out the content. I like talking about this. Um, I do a marketing ROI workshop at least once a year with the American Marketing Association. That's in September, toward the end of September in Chicago. Oh, cool. um, so that's a good two day course. Uh, you know, 15, 20 people together and, and it lets me really, you know, there's enough time for some one-on-one -on -one attention there too. Do I need to bring my TI-83 calculator or? Oh, that always helps. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, um, you know, a lot of it is about um, how to, you know, process change even and, and applying these principles and just, you know, if you get the basic financials and I'm talking basic spreadsheets, yeah. if you get some basic numbers in place and just start trying to communicate to say, look, if we spend more, if we spend differently, there's, we can impact this buyer behavior and there's upside potential. That dialogue changes. I mean, talk about respect from market for, for marketing from outside from CFOs. Yeah. It goes far. And then, so, um, and then, you know, getting into these measurement techniques and a lot of it is, you know, every company has a different challenge, whether data, whether it's the business model I have, and that's where we try to talk it through. Just yeah. kind of say, look, we get some small wins, people buy into it, then they'll support us, they'll fund the measurements. And, uh, uh, you know, so we try to break it down. And, uh, you know, I always, it's always keeping it strategic, right? At the end of this, it's not about the math, it's about buyer behavior. And this, you know, when we look at full funnel and we could say that an impact here will flow through and make an impact here, you know, it's good stuff. You try to take a complex environment and, and isolate a few things that then make it less complex. Yeah, it's all about isolating those things. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, Chicago, are you going to get some sailing in while you're out there? <laughs> so, uh, well, we, you and I were chatting. Nah, yeah. um, nah, so, I, uh, my big sailing trip is in Michigan every year. Oh, and okay. it's on the, uh, but it's in one of the Great Lakes. It's in Lake Huron. And it's that 200-mile race that, um, that should, in most years, take about 48 hours of night and day sailing. And What's this it year, it's called the uh, Mackinac Race, Port Huron to Mackinac Race. And so you basically race from uh, the, where the Detroit River connects into Lake Huron up to the very tip, uh, the, the northern tip between, uh, you know, uh, there's Michigan and then there's the Upper Peninsula. It's right in there. Sure. Fun little island, no cars, you know, so it's kind of this old historic thing, which you, you put no a couple cars. thousand. No cars, no horse-drawn carriages, um, bikes. Really? Yeah. Do so so everything? Is it like a Oh, place? yeah. Oh, it yeah. is a great, great place. I mean, uh, as what's, a kid. What's, called? what's the town called? Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's Island? Mackinac Island, Mackinac. but somehow it's called Mackinac. I don't know, but, uh, but anyway, so, uh, so you know, and you can picture, so this time there was slow winds in the beginning. So yeah. instead of 48 hours, it was 68 hours on oh, the water. <laughs> and, uh, we, we did pretty good. We came in fourth, but didn't get a flag. But anyway, you could picture this small little Island where, you know, everyone just walking around this town, you put a couple thousand sailors in for uh for what's usually two or three days it's a good time uh bell's oh, wow. brewery sponsors it and tito's is part of it so they you know they have this big party afterwards it's a yeah. it's a good time i'm looking sailors, at sailors are a, a fun bunch oh yeah especially if you had a you know a nice rough trip to get there you just yeah i know blow off some steam when you get there wow, yeah look yeah at that. But Chicago also has a, a week later, Chicago has the same race to, or, or as a race that leaves from Chicago and goes to the same point. So a lot of these boats that travel around internationally will do one race and move and do the next race a week later. So, and that one, they had rough storms and everything, really a whole different race a one week later. So, uh, 
you know, it's a, it's just a good sport. It's uh, you have yeah. a good time. You know, it, you, it's you an work island. Hard. It, yeah, yeah. That's um, cool. And it's it's I guess you could call a, a race like that like the weather. In other, I mean, like the like marketing and that the conditions are constantly changing. It's really you against the weather in this boat, and how you play against others and how they they beat the weather. There was boats that dropped off, dropped out because they get stuck in the dead zone. It just didn't move for hours and hours. Oh jeez. And by the time they would have missed the party and everything, the whole uh, whole oh, really? event. So they just they just bailed out. I think they drove up to the island, but. We, we played it really well. Again, you know, you kind of anticipate what's coming ahead and found all the good wind spots in the beginning. And then uh, uh, somewhere toward the end, we had a couple boats passes. So, yeah, that's, it's, it's, you know, it's a good adventure. Yeah, um, no, that sounds so, fun. It, yeah. And I was just looking at it, and I, I Googled it. The pictures are really oh, cute. Little cart yeah. carts and carriages and bicycles. It's, and then yeah. something, a little news thing said, uh, apparently a man tried to swim from – Mackinac Island to somewhere else. Oh, to the mainland. Yeah, yeah, there's ferries that you that go back and by forth. By the Coast Guard. Oh yeah. gosh. <laughs> well, there are heavy currents. Anytime you're passing through, like you know, this little bit of land squeezing all this water in between yeah. two Great Lakes, there's a current in between there. So. Jeez, no, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Why <laughs> pool? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's been good fun. Good fun. And you, uh, how about you? You're having adventures this summer. Yeah, you know, I actually just got back from Martha's Vineyard. We have some family oh, friends out there. That's a great place too. You know, yeah. and it and it always sounds like when you're oh the vineyard oh Obama went there, but yeah, like ninety percent of the island is just really nice normal people wearing yeah you know, washed yeah. out shorts. You know exactly, and it, and it has that it has that historic feel to it as well. So similar to Mackinac Island, where yeah. it's just you know it evolves, and yeah, there's these great big beach houses, but these these little towns that yeah aren't much different from from years ago. And it was fascinating. So there's a little bit of that ritzy area where people, the yachts pull right. in and, right. and you try to get dinner and it's like, Oh, right. <laughs> I would go on a date and it was like $60 for one app and, and two drinks. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you yeah. <know>? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it's crazy, but it's also a huge college, you know, Oh, right. Town, oh, yeah. yeah. Bluffs. Apparently it swells from just a couple thousand people year round, like 5,000 or huh. know, 10. I'm making it up, but 10 to like 180,000. Oh gosh. Yeah. It, it, it's a seasonal. Yeah. Yeah. 1000 X's and nice. And they somehow deal with that, but yeah, it's really nice out there. And that's great. We, we had a chance to go, you know, with nets with the kids and oh, great. catch like spider crabs. And there are these, um, you know, marine scientists who were like teaching all about them and everything. So it was, it was a cool, cool time. Oh, wow. That's great. That's great. See, so work hard and play hard, right? That's it, man. That's it. <laughs> yeah. it, this is both, though, I, I feel like. I know. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, hey, man, look at the clock. Like, time is just like a, a vorp. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Time vorp. It's yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for coming on here again. But yeah. Talking specifically about testing. Now, I've got so many notes here that uh, I'm going to need some time to chew on i've just been writing them down left and right oh, good good and, uh, well look we got some good lessons drawn out there in the process yeah. here um you know i think it fits with your your theory of uh you know hardcore marketing absolutely yeah, do it right and do it do it to make a difference like make make a big impact yeah you know make it's an not, impact rather than yeah just hanging it's, out and it's not this uh this fluffy stuff that uh that looks good and it's funny it's, it's actually got to work good point yeah good point and whether you're whether you get a result or not, you're still learning. The only time That's you're not true. learning is if you're just not doing any of it. That's right, right. All those learning lessons are just passing you by. Yeah, yeah. no question. 
Good point. Well, cool, man. Well, and thanks again. And, you know, and, yeah, and for everyone fun. else, yeah, for everyone else listening, like these nuggets, share these nuggets with people yeah. so they can get out of that activity mindset and get some tests going and, and even get some tests going and, you know, and share them on Twitter with us and let us know what you're That's trying, a great out, idea. what numbers you're seeing. And uh, we'll start a little dialogue there. All right. All right, guys. Good well, time. Thanks, man. This has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.